Welcome to the first episode of My Journey Back. Possibly to God, but there's still a pretty big question mark at the end of that for me. Here I'll share my thoughts on faith, doubt, and sometimes grief. I'm not a theologian or a philosopher. I'm just a guy with a lot of questions. I'm not going to get into my personal story in this first episode. I'll share more of that in time. However, my story in a nutshell is that I grew up in church and I went through some things in 2019 that caused me to question everything I had ever believed to be true. And by April of 2021, I publicly renounced my faith. Although I, I now consider myself an agnostic, uh, I feel drawn to the idea of a God who loves me. And I'm on a journey to discover if that might be true or not. And I'm not sure where I'll land, but letting go of faith has given me an opportunity to be transparent about my questions. One of my favorite Christian apologists, Sean McDowell, once said, more important than giving an answer for doubt is giving space to express that doubt. He said, it's not doubt that hijacks faith. It's unexpressed doubt. And part of my journey back, perhaps to God, is about expressing my doubt. And the way we express doubt is by sharing it with others. And so, with that said, thank you for joining me on this journey. Welcome. In this first episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on The Apology, published by IHC on behalf of James Planck. If you're listening to this, you probably know who James Planck is and what the CHM is, but if not, let me give a brief synopsis. So, I grew up in what's known as the Conservative Holiness Movement, uh, or the CHM. The CHM traces its roots back to John Wesley, and it's a collective of independent churches and church groups who share some common beliefs. And probably the main shared belief is a specific understanding of a doctrine uh, referred to as entire sanctification. Another distinctive is this set of rules for how Christians should live, and this set of rules is referred to as the standards. And the standards are meant to be this uh, outward expression of an inner work of heart purity and holiness. It's to signify our, our commitment to God. And now there's a lot more uh, to the CHM than that, but for now, that's how I'm going to define it. So there isn't a governing body that determines who all is included in the CHM. So in that sense, there really isn't an actual CHM. Uh, each church group is independent of the other, and the closest thing that exists that brings all of these church groups together is this annual three-day conference known as the Interchurch Holiness Convention, or uh, the IHC. And IHC acts as this, like I said, this unifying force among uh, the various church groups that consider themselves to be part of the CHM. 
And the current leader of IHC is a pastor by the name of James Plank. And Plank serves as the senior pastor of the God's Missionary Church in Beavertown, Pennsylvania. And recently at a conference hosted by Union Bible College in Westfield, Indiana, Plank made some comments that he later apologized for. And in this first episode, I want to talk about why I think Plank's apology matters and why it's significant to me personally. So first, let's jump into what he said. Uh, Other podcasts have already covered this in detail, but I want to share the clip. Uh, But first, for context, let me explain what's happening here. So I mentioned that a shared belief among CHM churches is the standards, or how Christians should live. And the standards include things like how we should dress and what forms of entertainment are appropriate for Christians. And although there's some variation throughout the CHM, most hold pretty much to the same standards. And Plank mentions a few of them, and the ones that he mentions are uh, TV, shorts, and short sleeves. And these are things that the CHM has historically prohibited. And so let's hear what Plank has to say. If I walk away from this way, you can count on it. If I get some big church somewhere, preach some new deluded gospel, if you see me in short sleeves and shorts and the trappings of the world, if you see us move a television into our home, go the way of the world, you can just count on it, Brother Plank's backslidden. And you can count on it, the kids that have walked away from this heritage to go the way of the world are backslid too. I don't care if they stand behind pulpits, they're backslid. And you need to pray for them like backsliders. We don't, we don't be mean to them, and we don't say that to their face or anything unkind, but it's true. It's true. And I don't like this sugarcoating of it. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead to another section of what Plank said here. This is God's direction. If my kids go another direction, it'll kill me. And, 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 uh, and, and I'll be praying for them as backsliders. So it sounds to me that what he is saying is that if we were raised in the CHM and as adults we decide to let go of some of these standards, such as short sleeves or TVs, then we're backslidden. And... To be backslidden means that a person is no longer uh, in relationship with God, that they've turned away from God, and that they would go to hell if they died. And so it sounds like Plank is saying that, that even his own kids, if they started wearing short sleeves, would go to hell. And so keep in mind that you know hell is considered to be a permanent and eternal place, of conscious torment and abandonment by God. And uh, so these statements uh, by Planck caused a bit of a ruckus by some within the CHM and by some who grew up in the CHM but have left. And some feel as if Planck is teaching these standards as biblical mandates necessary for salvation and that anyone who grew up with these standards and chooses to let some of them go will go to hell. And I think it's important 
for people who are part of the CHM who feel uh, that Planck was wrong to say this, to recognize that statements like Planck made are nothing new in the CHM. And this is what many of us have been saying for a long time. But a lot of times when put on the spot, many leaders will deny that this has happened and deny that it continues to happen. And I shared some clips on uh, Facebook of Judy Williams, who was a prominent figure in the Midwest, Pilgrim Holiness, and Archie B. Atwell saying very similar things to what Plank said. So let's first start out by listening to a clip uh, of Judy Williams. Generations without losing a part of it. But if you get a hold of it, young people, if you get a hold of it and refuse to allow a compromising element to cause you to have a disdain and a contempt for the old past of this book and the landmarks of our fathers, I believe you can have it without missing the way we can transmit it to you and transfer it to you without there being any backsliding in the process. Glory to God. So Judy Williams was a very influential person in my childhood. Uh, I attended many of the children's services at Pilgrim Camp led by the Victory Trio, uh, of which Judy was a member, along with Penny Ford and Mary Braun. And it sounds like Judy Williams is saying that if you let go of any of the standards, then you are backslidden. And in another part of the same sermon, she says that if you move these landmarks that our fathers have set down, uh, that God will curse you. Now, so please, please hear me here. I am not at all trying to discredit these people or the good that they accomplished for the church. They were amazing Christian examples. Uh, they had significant influence on, on my life. But I think they made some mistakes, and I think it's okay to talk about them. And that's not to tear anybody down. It's just to recognize, you know, where we came from and what's being taught and how we can improve on what was handed to us. So with that said, let's move on and listen to a clip by Archie Atwell. And this is Archie Atwell Sr., so let's listen to what he has to say. <laughs> they get artificial flowers and put in their hair because they don't have the lily of the valley in their heart. <laughs> they get little spit curls to cover up the spit fire. <laughs> oh my, oh my, you won't find it here. Not here talk about some of the things that people are shouting over. Well, they said, on their way to hell, on something that God talked to them about and God dealt with them about. Well, that's just as much Bible as it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Amen, Brother Atwell. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> interesting. And yet it's sad. 
It's sad to think how many of you precious women are going to go to hell. They're shouting right over top of this. So I never heard Archie Atwell Sr. preach in person, but I sat in many services where his son, Archie Atwell Jr., preached. And my kids heard several of Atwell Jr.'s sermons, and he preached about the same as his dad. Uh, And so in Plank's apology, there's a statement by the IHC Executive Committee. And there are a couple members of this committee that stand out to me. Uh, One is Paul Gray. Gray is a very prominent leader within the Midwest Pilgrim Holiness Church where uh, that Judy Williams was a part of. And this was the same uh, uh, church group that I grew up in. Another person is Ray Campbell. Campbell was the president of Camargo Camp near Loveland, Loveland, Ohio for several years. And during his time as president, Archie Atwell Jr. was invited as the speaker on several occasions. And my wife and I and our kids attended Campbell's church for many years, and we attended Camargo Camp. And these are the men holding Plank accountable. Honestly, honestly, you know, I wonder if these men would have had any concerns at all about what Plank said. I'm not sure they would have. Um, And these two that I've mentioned are ones that I personally was influenced by. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if some of the other committee members have similar connections to people in the past who've said things along this same, these same lines. So the point in all that is telling people, especially kids who are growing up in this movement, that they'll go to hell for not upholding these standards. This is nothing new in the CHM. And so this is why I think Plank's apology matters. One of the members listed on the IHC Executive Committee um, actually reached out to me when I first started to publicly express my doubt. And this person has been so gracious and kind. And recently they told me that you know, their hopes are that I come back to God, even if that means not returning to the CHM. And they've never made me feel as if they were trying to get me to come back to the CHM. And this person has made me feel validated. They acknowledge that I've been hurt by the CHM, and they want to be a part of my healing. And that's not, again, that's not an effort to bring me back into the CHM, or even, it's not even to make me be silent about identifying what I see as problems in the CHM. And this speaks volumes to me about this person. And keep in mind that this is a prominent figure uh, in the CHM, and they were listed on the IHC Executive Committee. And this person doesn't really know me on a personal level, and so I think this speaks to, uh, I think this speaks very positively of the CHM and some of its highest leaders. And there's been several other leaders in the CHM who've reached out to me as well, um, but this one happens to be on the Executive Committee Um, So that says a lot to me about the CHM and where it's at right now as a church uh, or as a collective of churches. And so I I don't typically share my private conversations with CHM leaders, and I'm not going to say who this person is, but if they're listening to this, they know who they are, 
and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for them. Um, and I had commented a bit on the post by Berean Holiness. Uh, they're the group on Facebook who first shared this clip by Plank. And I stated that I've had a few private conversations with Plank over the past few years. And I only shared that to point out that I think he's a kind and compassionate man. Normally, I would, I would never share a leader's name that I've had conversations with and typically wouldn't talk really about specifics of those conversations. Um, so I, I think that what he said was wrong and harmful, but I think he's a good man, and I have personally experienced his kindness, and I wanted to share that. So with that, let's jump into why I think Plank's apology matters. First, I think it matters that a few leaders were brave enough to stand up and hold Plank accountable. There were only a few leaders who did this. So the ones who spoke up represent a very small percentage of the CHM leaders. And one of these leaders shared a post publicly on Facebook and said that they had spoken privately with Plank. And although Plank replied respectfully, uh, he had doubled down on his position. Um, and this post also indicated that similar conversations have happened many times over past years and included multiple elders approaching Plank. So what this tells me is that while not obvious to the general public, there are efforts of accountability going on behind the scenes. And that includes more than the few elders who spoke out publicly. Um, and so this increases my confidence and the CHM leaders, and the IHC executive committee. And it seems to suggest that a commitment to biblical theology and accountability is spreading throughout the movement among its leaders. And so now, even though Plank was not going to back down, he did end up issuing an apology. And so this speaks to the integrity of the men who hold him accountable. And it also speaks to Plank's willingness to humble, him, to humble himself and uh, submit to accountability and to the counsel of the, elder, of the elders. And that means a lot to me. So let's go over what he said in his apology. Um, I'll read the first part that he wrote. He says, I am heartsick that my recent comments at Union Bible College were hurtful. For the confusion and division they have caused... I am embarrassed and sincerely sorry. First, in my zeal to encourage the students to walk the holy way, never to throw away their heritage and convictions, I was too strong to say that people were backslidden who had done this, this, and this. Though I hold my convictions inviolable, the way I stated things publicly for everyone was not how they should have been expressed. So, I'm not going to lie, I had to look up the word inviolable, and... I'm also going to say that I'm probably the worst person at apologizing. Every time I hear people explain what makes a good apology and you know what makes a bad apology, when they're describing the bad apology, it's literally the exact words I would use. So I've had to learn a lot myself about what makes a good apology. And I'm still not good at it. So that's kind of where I'm coming from in my assessment of this. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned is that you must be specific about what you are saying you're sorry for. Simply saying, 
I'm sorry for hurting you, isn't actually apologizing for anything. You have to state what it was that was hurtful and what you're, uh, and that you're apologizing for that thing specifically. And I think Plank offers specificity here. He says that he was too strong to say people are backslidden. I appreciate that. Now, I do think he phrases this in a way that almost sounds like he's apologizing for saying out loud what he actually believes. So, you know, does, does Plank really believe that people who were raised in the CHM and step away from some of the standards are indeed backslidden? Or is he saying that he's sorry for saying that out loud? Um, but I do think he sort of answers that in the next section when he states that he firmly believes in justification by grace through faith alone. And while he still leaves some questions about if he believes people to be backslidden, he again offers specificity in apologizing for saying things in a way that failed to support this core doctrine of justification by grace through faith alone. And on his third point here, I really do think that he answers that question and that he is confessing that he is wrong to believe a person to be backslidden. And I think he does this when he acknowledges that he cannot speak dogmatic, dogmatically about another person's relationship with God. And this sort of gets to Adam Buckler's response. Buckler's the president of UBC where Plank made these comments. And Buckler says that pastors are forbidden to make judgment on the salvation of others. And so, again, I, I think Plank is stating with specificity that he crossed this line and was wrong in doing so. And so, for those of you who supported Plank and his comments at UBC, his apology should give you pause. If you think he did nothing wrong, then why is he apologizing? I hope that you don't think your leader is succumbing to pressure and apologizing just to appease those of us who've left the CHM. I think you should seriously think about what Plank is apologizing for and ask yourself if you hold similar beliefs or if you teach similar things to what he apologized for, especially if you're a pastor or pastor's wife. Now, I do think he almost nullifies his apology when he uses it as an advantage to sort of preach on the standards again by asking people to join him in his stand against drift. I don't think he used drift in his apology, but that's how he often refers to it. Um, and I feel, I feel he should have left that part out. It feels a bit defensive. But as I said, I'm, I'm terrible at making apologies myself. And so even though I can sit here and nitpick you know, what he said, um, you know, maybe Plank will hear this and take note of how that part was perceived. Uh, I do find a lot of value in the standards and can appreciate why many within the CHM consider them to be so important. And so I could, I, I could even get behind Plank and support him in challenging churches to maintain these strict protective guardrails. Uh, I'm just not sure I would have included it in his apology. It sort of makes the, the apology seem less sincere. Um, but I, I do feel that he was sincere. Uh, finally, he apologizes for not being clear on sexual abuse. And 
Plank, so Plank states that his sympathy was meant for the victims and not for the perpetrators. And I personally felt his, his sympathy and felt that that's what he was saying. Uh, if you consider the context of what he was saying, he was talking about being understanding of those who have been hurt within the CHM. Uh, and so, Brother Plank, if, if you're listening to this, uh, I do see your heart on this matter, and I thank you for clarifying it in your apology. Um, but I do hope that Plank and others um, can hear that many consider the phrase moral failure as a way to speak of sexual abuse in ways that are a bit softer on the mind, uh, a bit softer for uh, you may, it's maybe the phrase you would use around kids or something. Uh, I just don't think that the phrase moral failure carries the weight that uh, Adam Buckler suggests it carries when he mentioned it uh, in his response. So hopefully you guys can can take that feedback. Um, but I do feel as though I see Plank's heart throughout the entirety of his apology, and I thank him for it. I thank those who held him accountable. So I think Plank's apology matters because he seems to be apologizing for holding unbiblical beliefs in regards to people being backslidden who let go of the standards. And I think this stands in opposition to the CHM and the position that it's historically held regarding the standards. And I feel like this is a healthy shift for the CHM. Again, I, I find a lot of value in the standards as guardrails and as identity markers. And I really appreciate their unwavering commitment in this regard. And I hope they never change. I hope the CHM remains a beacon uh, of a commitment to holiness for others to follow. Even if those who look to the CHM as an example choose to live out their convictions and their commitments to careful holy living in different ways. Um, but I do think using threats of hell for not upholding the standards is uh, a manipula manipulative tactic that takes advantage of the emotional sensitivity and development of, of children. And I think the CHM has often used fear and threats of hell to control behavior or to line the altars, um, especially at camps and revivals, youth camps. And I think they have done a lot of harm in this regard. I consider using fear and shame in these ways to be a type of spiritual abuse. I think it results in spiritual trauma that some will spend years trying to recover from and that some will maybe never recover from. And so I think Planck's apology matters. And I think it marks a significant turning point in the ongoing development and growth of the CHM towards a much more healthy and biblical church. Adam Buckler said that he hopes Plank's apology would be received as a demonstration of humility and accountability. And that's exactly how I receive it. Now, so Buckler also stated that he waited to respond because a response is not mandatory. Uh, that he and UBC do not hold authority over those of us outside the CHM and that we do not hold authority over them as a, as a church would of its leaders. And while that may be true since we're no longer part of the CHM, many of us were hurt while in the CHM. 
And many of us were hurt by teachings just like Planck was making. And so I do think that we deserve a response. And I think that comment by Buckler felt dismissive. Uh, but overall, I really appreciated what Buckler had to say. Uh, his response was not an apology, uh, but it was a clarification of UBC's and his personal position on the topics that Planck mentioned. And Buckler stated his uh, and UBC's position in a way that does not support what Planck said about people being backslid for not upholding the standards. And, or, or at least it doesn't support what we perceived Planck, as Planck having said. Uh, and so here again, I think those who supported what Planck said should pay close attention, not only to Planck's apology for saying those things, but also to Adam Buckler's response, which opposed that type of teaching. And so, why is Planck's apology so significant to me personally? A while back, I made a few posts on Facebook about what it means to be a man. A lot of people responded with things having to do with strength, such as protecting your family or standing up for what's right. But I don't find those traits to necessarily be manly, right? I mean, these traits, I think, would be great for any woman to have as well. And so I don't find them to be distinctive traits to men or to manliness. Uh, but one trait that began to stand out to me was vulnerability. Now, this word can have many meanings depending on the context. Uh, but I asked several men what being, being vulnerable means to them. And they usually responded with something about, being honest with their wife or being honest with an accountability partner, something like that. And I think that's a great definition, uh, but I would think of vulnerability, um, the way I would define it is I would say it's the openness to emotional wounding for the sake of bringing healing to another person, especially when you are the one being accused of causing their pain. And even more especially when you feel as though you did nothing wrong. And I think Jesus demonstrates this beautifully on the cross. Um, so how can we apply this to marriage? How do I respond when my wife tells me I've hurt her feelings? Do I let her know that I see her pain and that I'm there to comfort her? Or do I get defensive and try to minimize her pain or deny or minimize my actions? Having someone tell us we've hurt their feelings or harm them in some way can feel like emotional wounding. It, it can make us feel attacked, like they're accusing us of being a failure, especially if we don't think we're guilty. We can feel like they're misrepresenting us or making us look worse than what we really are. And I think being vulnerable is being able to handle these, attack these attacks without becoming defensive. It's being open to emotional wounding while maintaining a posture of empathy and understanding that brings healing to the other person. And 
in my experience, there's almost always at least a little bit of truth in their accusation. And having this posture of vulnerability includes being open to recognizing and receiving the truth that exists in their accusation. And for me personally, there's usually actually a lot of truth in what they're saying. And we need to step fully into vulnerability and be willing to feel the full weight of guilt when we've messed up and their accusation is spot on. And part of being vulnerable is to be uh, vulnerable with ourselves, to be honest with ourselves about how we respond when we feel attacked, to be, uh, to develop a self-awareness of, of how we respond when that emotional surge emerges. Do we respond by making the situation all about ourselves and our own hurt feelings and how their accusations are hurting us? Do we become defensive or counterattack? Or can we handle that surge of emotions while remaining attuned to the pain of the person sharing their feelings with us? Being, being uh, vulnerable in this way is so, so difficult for me. In fact, it's probably the area that I struggle in the most. I get super defensive real quick. And often, I'll even try to make the other person feel bad for saying anything. I'll counterattack or try to shame them for saying anything bad about me. Um, hearing that I've hurt their feelings usually makes me feel as if they're calling me a failure. And it feels like emotional wounding. And I protect myself from these types of wounds. Rather than moving towards them to let them know I'm sorry, I'll either push them away in anger or I'll move away myself in shame. Uh, instead of seeing that my wife is asking for intimacy with me, I respond by pulling away from intimacy, which tells her that I don't really care about her and her feelings. Or I try to shame her by saying that her accusations of me are wrong or that she's being too sensitive or overreacting. And while I don't think being vulnerable is necessarily a manly trait that is distinctive to men um, or to manliness, I do think a lot of men struggle with it. It's really hard for us. And when I see a man who can lean into vulnerability, that seems like a man of real strength to me. A man who can actually acknowledge that he's messed up and say he's sorry. And I feel as though this is what Plank did. Uh, we may be able to pick it apart and find some faults in his apology or wish it had been phrased a little differently, um, but I deeply appreciate it. And uh, I do think the future, though, will tell us of his sincerity. Uh, and, and that's not to say that he will never mess up again. I am totally against holding our leaders to this standard of perfection uh, or saying that if a person is really sorry, then they'll never hurt us again in the same way. That's just not true. We hurt each other in the same ways because we continue to struggle with the same things. We're often not able to find healing or to overcome something overnight. So that's not what I'm trying to say, but I do think the future will tell us if the CHM is serious about being faithful to Scripture while also maintaining its position on uh, and its position on and its unwavering commitment to 
careful holy living. And the future will tell us if the CHM is seriously serious about holding its leaders accountable and about encouraging accountability. Um, and if the CHM will continue to respond to those who feel hurt with empathy and understanding. And I hope Plank's apology and Buckler's response are viewed as demonstrations of accountability and humility. And I hope they have a unifying effect on the CHM. Uh, because I'm, I'm thankful for people in my life who I can look to for guidance, not just in how to do what's right, but in how to respond when we've done wrong. I, I have failed so many times in my life in some really horrible ways. Uh, and, and while I can recognize areas where I was harmed or reasons why I may have been behaving the way I was, uh, I also want to be able to take responsibility for my actions and recognize the harm I've caused. Uh, yeah, I made some big, big mistakes in 2019, 2020, when I was going through uh, an emotional collapse. Um, I caused a lot of harm to my family. And yeah, I want to approach that with vulnerability and honesty uh, and empathy for those I've hurt. And I'm thankful for people who can demonstrate that for me uh, because I struggle, I struggle to do it. And I, I want people that I can look up to uh, as examples who can demonstrate it for me, even if I disagree with them on a fundamental level, or at least, you know, if I have a lot of doubt in what they hold as certain truths. And, uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate them. And, you know, I agree with Buckler that social media is not necessarily the best place to air out our grievances. At least, I'll say the comment sections can sometimes run wild. Uh, but for many of us, social media is the only voice we have. And so considering that, I wonder if some of these leaders would be willing to sit down for interviews and let us ask our questions. Let us share how we've been hurt. Uh, I would l love to speak to some of these guys. I'd love to chat with Rodney Loper about his definition of the CHM and the four pillars that define it. I'd love to speak to Brian Spangler about a sermon he preached in 2013 where he called out the CHM pretty directly for being messed up and causing harm. I'd love to talk to him about that sermon. I'd love to talk to James Sutherland about my experience being raised in the Pilgrim Holiness Church and some of the evangelists that we are exposed to at camp and how they use these tactics of fear. It's like to get his thoughts on those things, you know? And I'd love to talk to Plank about his experience in being held accountable and his posture of humility and vulnerability. Um, you know, I don't know if my journey will land me back in the CHM I don't even know if, you know, I'll, I'll land back in church or, you know, if this journey will lead me back to God. I don't, I don't know. I just have so many questions. Uh, but I appreciate those who have been able to acknowledge the mistakes of the spiritual leaders who passed along the heritage of holiness. And I appreciate those who have supported me on my journey 
I've just been blown away by some of the people who've reached out, who they are. Um, yeah, thank you for your support. And thank you for hearing me out today. And so, uh, until next time, you know, I've been trying to think of like some catchy phrase to say at the end of each episode, but I can't think of anything good. So for this one, I'll just say, until next time, lean into vulnerability. Thank you for listening. <laughs>